it's on my mind all the time. Whether they're communicating it or not, their body language and their performance will tell you everything. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know, to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome, everyone. This is Ed Epley with another episode of the Ed Epley Experience. And today we are continuing our drill down on the topic of structure and its impact on your business. So we heard from Bill Hutter in our most recent episode. Today we're going to hear from a gentleman who's become a good friend of mine, someone for whom I have a great deal of respect. Some background about him. He's extremely passionate about, I think about everything. I, I don't know him to be involved with anything that he's not completely passionate and all in a, in all respects about it. He's extremely optimistic. He is driven to be the best at whatever he does. And that in turn means that he's hyper-competitive in just about everything. But in particular, he's hyper-competitive on the golf course, which is where I think I am close to his equal in competitiveness. I'm not his equal in hitting the ball, but but we have some wonderful events on the golf course. His name is Dave Hunter, and I would tell you his title, except it's just changed. So I, I'm going to let him tell us his title. He is with Steamboat Ski and Resort Company. David, what is the new title that has been bestowed upon you? So the new title, Ed, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. New title is Vice President Resort Operations. And what really has changed is my role has gotten larger and I now have the entire snow sports school, which is approximately 500 employees uh, now reporting under my leadership. And then everything else on the mountain in terms of grooming, lifts, and what am I missing? Anything Uh, else? Yeah, so our slope maintenance department encompasses vehicle maintenance, snowmaking, trail maintenance, and slope grooming. Then we have ski patrol, lift operations, lift maintenance, who am I forgetting? Risk and safety, transportation, security, parking, <laughs> and now snow sports school. Uh, and that we can't forget there about the services because that's what Steamboat's <laughs> all about is providing unforgettable experiences. Yeah, and, and you do it very well. One of the things uh, I hope all of you listening will get a chance to meet Dave sometime. One of the things that's enjoyable about him is he knows a lot about all of the things that he has responsibility for. So if you've ever ridden a gondola, if you've ever ridden a lift, if you've ever questioned how do they get stuff up the hill, like food and stuff at the restaurants, it's fascinating to understand what all takes place that's required to run a ski resort. And Dave is not only an expert at it, but he's David, you're a you're you're a good teacher. You've 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 helped me learn a lot about the industry and the business. But we're here now to talk specifically about structure, and that's for for the benefit of the audience. That the way we're defining structure in business is the way we deploy our resources. So not only is that our people, it's our facilities, it's our equipment, it's our intellectual property and money, and of course, it's also probably the most important commodity that all of us have as managers and executives, which is our time. 
So we're going to talk a little bit with David about what he's learned about structure and its impact on the ability to execute your strategy. So as complex as your model is, David, how much time do you have to spend trying to get the right people into the right positions? I'm curious about, is that is that something that's done once a year? Or is that is that something that's always on your mind, given the complexity and the size of the organization of which you're uh, responsible? Yeah, you know, for sure, there is a time and a place at a minimum on an annual basis where we really have to dive into the details of the structure, starting with our executive team and then down through our directors, which we have, you know, over 30 directors and down through the management and the supervisor realm and and really identifying who are the, the rock stars and who do we really need to pay attention to and develop for the future of our company. So there's a time and a place, at least on an annual basis. I think in a perfect world, that should be at least biannual. And, you know, outside of that, it's on my mind all the time, to- always reevaluating, you know, what people's responsibilities are and really working hard to put them in a position where they can be successful, but where we can continue to challenge them with stretch goals. And those stretch goals may be financial, it may be putting more responsibility under them, but but pushing them out of their comfort zone. And was that always modeled for you in your previous positions outside the organization when you when you were at other resorts or other businesses? Is that is that where you became aware of that or is that something you learned here at Steamboat Skiing Resort? You know, I, I owe this one to my my dear uncle Dave Moore, who got me started in this industry, biggest mentor in my life. And, you know, I watched him as a kid. I started in this industry when I was 12 years old and I've spent every waking moment in it. And uh, I was I'm one of the lucky ones. At the age of 15, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for a living and I'm actually doing it. So I consider myself one of the lucky ones. But he taught me at a very early age that, you know, it was all about the people. And you've got to have the right people in the right positions. And so it's been embedded in me from a very early age. Okay. So uh, you, you'd almost say you grew up experiencing it. Yeah. Although with that said, I think it's important to point out that it's strengthened over time. And I started to see as my responsibilities grew and grew and I became close to, and then eventually at the executive level, it, I, I realized how important it was and how powerful it can be and, and how empowering it can be for a business when you, when you spend the time to do it right. You know, you're now at Steamboat in the midst of, I think, the largest as, as a percent, not only in dollars, but as a percent of the the operation of uh, revenue and so forth, the redevelopment of the base area. So as you've been doing this, has it has it required that the organization to, to take this on while you operate the business? Has it required a change in structure? Yeah, it has. And most recently, we we changed our executive structure. We were previously the senior management team, SMT, and we've adjusted that now to uh, senior leadership team. And we believe that those that work for us at the director level, it's really their job to operate the business day to day. And it is our job to be the leaders of the company and focus on the strategies and who who we are as a leadership team. And we've recently brought on an additional team member and adjusted some of our responsibilities. And that goes back to what we spoke about earlier with my new role. 
Um, so we have someone focused on planning. We have someone focused on brand and strategies. I'm focused on all resort operations. And it's really allowed us to get much better alignment than I think we've had potentially ever. So it's not just a change in title, a name of the leadership now organization or leadership team that you you really are elevating what you do to be leader driven uh, in day to day roles rather than operating the business as such. Is that what I am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Yes. And, you know, our team has earned our trust. And so we are working tirelessly at pushing decision making as far down in the organization as we can. There are certain decisions that need to be made at the executive level, but if it can be made at the director level, we encourage them to make those decisions. That's wonderful. Uh, I, now, second thing, when you have an extraordinary event like the almost $200 million I think they're spending now, right, is, is what the plan is. So that's a, that's, a, that's a signal that maybe we ought to really think hard about changing our structure. Some, I would say that most times the, the things that are, making somebody in a role like yours think about changing people or hierarchy or systems and processes because it'll allow our people to be more effective and efficient are less subtle than and, and more more subtle than 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 a 200 million dollar spend so how do you know what's the indicators you pay attention to that would cause you to say maybe maybe this is a structural issue it's not a performance of an individual issue that's a good question, and there's I could answer it many different ways, but I, I think it it is about the culture, and it is about what is winning for us, and what is, you know, as we look forward, where do we want to be in three years? Where do we want to be in five years? And using the $200 million full steam ahead is what our capital campaign is. When we look at full steam ahead and what it will do for our business, it it forces us to to look ourselves in the mirror as a company and understand what we need to do now to be successful then. And that's where structure comes into place. You know, looking at, again, some of those um, rock star directors that we have and how do we set them up for the future in order to help support our goals as a company and where we need to go. So if I hear you correctly, then there's, I think you're saying that when we consider where we're trying to be in three to five years, if I look at what's happening today, what has to occur in the business next year, two years from now, so that we can actually achieve those longer term objectives? And and then you would compare what's happening against, is that optimal? Is is that really what we what we would think needs to be transpiring in the next 12 to 24 months to achieve what we want 36 to 48 months from now? Am, am, I, am I paraphrasing that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's accurate. And and I often tell my team that we can we can build the the most efficient LEED certified buildings. We can have state-of-the-art technology from our lifts to our snowmaking systems. We can have all the bells and whistles, but that won't be enough of a differentiator for us. The differentiator is our culture and our people. And that's what's going to differentiate an experience in Steamboat from an experience anywhere in this world. When you make these changes like you just have made and in the ones you've made in the past, the ones in the future that have yet to be defined, what are the kinds of problems that you know you're going to run into? That, that what's, the, what's going to be the consequence of this change in people, process, 
facilities, whatever it might be? Change is hard. Change is hard and it's uncomfortable. And uh, we've learned that, you know, our, our staff needs to hear about the change five to seven times before it really sinks in. And it's just uncomfortable. And so we try to do, we are relentlessly committed to transparency and explaining not just what we're doing, but we focus just as much on why we're doing it. And I think that that's an important differentiator is if you only communicate the what, everyone's asking why. And so we try to we try to accomplish both of those. And again, we we really hang our hat, our cowboy hat and steamboat on our transparency and ability to communicate with our team. Do you ever pick the wrong people? I, I don't know that we pick the wrong people, but I think at times we hang on to the wrong people because, again, change is uncomfortable. And we've made quite a few changes in the last four and a half years that I've been with the company. And, you know, that's a difficult decision. And, and to take that a step further, sometimes you have folks that are doing a phenomenal job at what they're doing, but you have to ask yourself, are we getting all of their potential? And are we able to maybe allow them to make a parallel move in an area of the business that they currently have zero responsibility for? And maybe that's what they need to do before they're able to be elevated to the next level of the company. Yeah. I, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it, it it occurs to me that it's much easier to change your strategy than it is to change your structure. And and what I mean by that is the decision to say we're going to, you know, improve our customer experience, our guest experience, or to say we're going to be operationally excellent, which is another typical strategic decision. Those decisions don't take and if, if you want them to be, those can be quick decisions. But the whole idea of changing the structure to align with that can take months. And I could even argue in some cases could take years to change the culture. Yeah. Um, is, is that been your experience that it's hard to it's much harder to change the structure than it is the strategy? I totally agree. And and when you look at what the strategy is or what that true north or that beacon out on the horizon is of what success means, and for us is to be best in class across the board. That's easy for me to write down. It's easy for me to discuss it in an orientation or a training. But how do we, how do we get there? What are the tactics that allow us to become successful and become that best in class? And that doesn't come overnight. That takes continuous reinforcement. I'm going to guess that if you've been guilty of a mistake in regards to the changing of structure, it's that you've tried to do too much too fast as opposed to too little. Am I right? You are right. Okay. So what have you learned about the amount of change that an organization can handle when it tries to change, not just structure, but anything? What, what's, the, what's the indicators of what, what the capacity is for an organization to deal with that? Your team will be, whether they're communicating it or not, their body language and their performance will tell you everything. Um, folks get uncomfortable and it's and, and you can feel it. You can see it, their body language in, in meetings and in communications. And so we have taken that very, very seriously. And we're under, a as you know, Ed, a tremendous amount of change. We are completely redoing our base area. Um, at the same time, we are elevating the experience on the mountain with new lifts and new terrain and new expansion areas. And at the same time, one of the buildings we took down in our base area 
had about 135 of our employees in it. So for the whole, I hope they weren't there. I hope they weren't there when it happened. We evacuated the building. We evacuated (laughs) the building. But we had to uh, work on a transition plan of temporary office space that was coming off the heels of a very difficult winter going through COVID. COVID taught us a lot. The pandemic taught us a lot about change because we had no choice. We were forced to adapt. And oh, yeah. And that was a huge benefit to our team. The, the unintended consequence was on the heels of that pandemic, we have continued with change. Everyone wanted to go back to normal, and the change has just continued. So what we've decided to do is we brought in a director position that is in charge of resort transformation and change management. And this person is working with us on our communications and with our teams directly about how to deal with the change. And it has been a remarkable experience for the company and for our team just to identify that that this is happening and it does have an impact on our teams. So we need to look ourselves in the mirror and we need to own up to that and put a resource in place to help us manage through it. Do you believe that there's preparation that should precede the actual change? Absolutely. I think the the consequence of trying to be prepared is if you know the change is coming or not. It's great to be prepared. But in this business, being in a seasonal business, you learn very quickly to adapt in an instant because you never know what you're going to get. And so our environment is, is slightly different because of its weather dependence, mainly in the winter versus the summer. So folks that want to be here and want to be in this industry, um, for the most part, are built in a fashion where they are prepared to change direction at any time. That's more natural for them. When you talk about big transformational company change, that's where you need to really put additional resources and time and effort into those employees explaining the why. Can you think of, uh, and to the extent that you're comfortable, could you could you share something sometime in your career where you'd say, I screwed up that that attempt to change the structure? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, okay. In my previous career, I ran a snowcat manufacturing company and I was responsible for North America. And Hold I- on, before we, be, before we go too far. So for the uninitiated, what's a snowcat? A snowcat is what grooms and maintains the slopes at a ski area. So it's a very large, expensive machine that climbs all over the ski area while everyone is asleep. And that's what prepares the slopes for the following day. And um, I worked for an Italian company that also had a headquarters in Montreal. So I had French Canadian boss and an Italian boss. And um, we were going to change structure about how we manage parts and service, how we handled our sales structure. And we brought in a third party. And the team that reported to me was telling me that this is a very bad idea. And I felt like I was being somewhat told what to do from headquarters right from the top of the company. And so I continued to push my team and I didn't question, I didn't take that message from my team effectively back to the the world headquarters, those that were going to ultimately make the decision. And that was a huge learning experience for me. The program ended up um, not being implemented in the end. And, um, but I had, I had a pretty big black eye for not listening to my team and almost letting this occur and knowing that it may be detrimental to areas of our business. And that was a, a really good learning experience for me. Did, 
do you feel like you lost credibility at least temporarily over temporarily one hundred percent one hundred percent what what did you have to do? Did you have to go back and talk to him and did, did you have to admit it at the time as well oh, you I figured did. it out or okay yeah. yeah, worldwide sales meeting I had to own up to the whole thing and a uh, very difficult time in my career. I don't like to lose. I love to win. I think you you teed that up well at the beginning. And it was a humbling experience for me and one that uh, one that changed me forever. What advice would you give to the members of our audience about what they should be doing to think about whether their problems are actually the true problem or a symptom of a structural issue? Do you have any thoughts on that about how you how you know whether you're fixing the problem or a symptom of something else? I think you you clearly first need to, in, in most businesses, this is what we all have to do. We have to know what we're trying to achieve and, and, and what is success look like. Are we there now? Do we feel like we can improve? But, but I think it, it comes back to culture. And I think that we also have a tendency to want to move extremely fast. Everything has to happen now. And the business world is just built this way right now. And and it's not sustainable. And for myself, being about as type A as they come, uh, my new mantra is I need to slow down to speed up. And there's a lot of truth to that in, in everything, in your personal life, in your business life, including how you handle structure. You certainly don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction that a month, six months, or a year, you realize that you've just done something to your business and to your team that that was nothing short of a, a disaster. And so you need to slow down. You need to think about the unintended consequences and evaluate the risk. And for me, if I understand the unintended consequences, and I can do this very quickly, if I can understand the unintended consequences and understand those risks, then I have the ability to say, am I willing to take that risk? But the knee-jerk reaction is a very dangerous position to be in in business. And I believe because of the pace of business today, a lot of companies are are making knee-jerk reactions. Yeah, it's a common phenomenon with uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, that they are going to, you know, they they get an idea at lunch, they're going to implement it that afternoon. And, and and many of them enjoy success from that in, in the moment. And, and because they're a relatively small business, I think you can get away with it and you can fix that mistake pretty quickly if, if you need to and, and uh, adapt because the business isn't that big. But when a business has size and scale, knee-jerk reactions and unintended consequences, man, the, the pain of having to <laughs> fix what was not understood or, or repair what, what you never thought was going to be affected by that decision, it can be so expensive and time consuming and ugh, I, I get, I get exhausted thinking about it. So your mantra is to, what did you say it was? Slow down, slow down. Speed yeah. Speed I, have a tendency, I have a tendency to make decisions very, very quickly. It is one of my strengths, but it can be a strength almost to a fault. And yeah. um, to explain that a little bit is when you have so much going on, I'm just built in a way that I, I want to make that decision and move on to the next problem or the next challenge. I try not to use the word problem anymore. It's just a challenge and it may be an opportunity. So again, slow down to speed up allows me to evaluate it. And there are decisions that don't need to be made. Sometimes I believe leaders 
believe that that their job is to turn decisions around as fast as they can. And I think it takes a different type of leader to evaluate the impact and whether that decision truly needs to be made now or whether it's better to sleep on it in 24 hours. Uh, there's a, I think uh, your mantra of slow down to move fast is a variation of the special forces, one that is slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. And um, there's definitely similarities there. David, a, a, cu- a couple of thoughts. So if, if a listener out there is only going to do one thing to have a better structure, is it is it that focus on the outcomes that truly matter to the business? It's, it, it, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I, I always like to leave our listeners, if there's only one thing, what is it? Yeah, I think it's the outcome and understanding clearly what that outcome means to the leadership team, to the entire company and to the business and its vitality. And if, and if you have that clear, then I think the structure needs to be built in a way that can support that. So even if the outcome is entirely financial, but it's understanding that's what we want is we want a stock price of X or we want a, an EBITDA of Y, that, if that's what's driving you, it's, it's got to be absolutely clear and your, your structure has to be built to support that. Absolutely, because if what you just said is true, and let's just say it is the financial target of EBITDA or your stock pricing, that's intentional. So if that's intentional, you have to intentionally build a structure to support it, or you'll never get there. And and where I've seen companies get in trouble more often than not is they'll say that there's a target is doing something meaningful when in reality, their whole real existence is about financial. And so their structure goes to support a financial outcome and their people are going, but we're supposed to be built to do something else. And we don't, we're, we're seeing a little incongruity there. I've, I've, I've heard and seen that a, a few too, ty- too many times in my career. Yeah. And here, here at Steamboat Skiing Resort Corporation, our number one strategy is invest in our team. That's what's most important to us. That does not mean that our financial targets are not important, but we believe by investing in our team that the financial targets, our NPS scores, and our employee engagement scores will all follow. And we have targets for each one of those. Those are the metrics that we measure ourselves upon. But we believe investing in our team is the most important. David, if someone wants to reach out to you to talk more about what you shared with us today about structure, what's the best way for them to reach you? Best way is through email. And my email is very simple, dhunter at steamboat.com. And that's all one word, dhunter. Yep, correct. dhunter at steamboat.com. He's Dave Hunter. He's a good man, first and foremost, but he's also an excellent executive and doing a tremendous job for the Steamboat Ski and Resort Company. And he's a friend of mine. So thank you, Dave, for being with us today on the Ed Epley Experience. Thank you, Ed. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.